Hey everybody, we are GFBS for Grand Fork's best source. Got that echo back. On today's show, Dr. Dan Stanislawski from the Midwest Public Health Coalition. We'll be joining him shortly. Show today, by the way, brought to you by CNH Insurance. You know, CNH Insurance began with the goal of building an agency with the highest of principles, personalized attention, and service. Now, you know, this concept remains to be the priority today. They strive to give everyone who walks through their doors special attention and the best customer service possible. Their agents have over 50 years of combined insurance experience. They're licensed in Minnesota, North Dakota, and Arizona. You know, GFBS, we insure through CNH, and uh, maybe you should too. For all your insurance needs, contact Justin, Jody, or Tammy at 218 773 0287 or stop by 1427 Central Avenue Northwest in East Grand Forks. CNH Insurance in East Grand Forks. Well, if you have any questions or comments for myself, Paul the producer, or Dr. Dan Stanislawski, our phone number is 701 213 0863. Again, that's 701-213-0863. Before we get too much further into the show, time now for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. And here we go. Uh, This morning, I saw my neighbor talking to her cat. Yeah, she was outside talking to her cat, and it was obvious she thought that her cat understood her. Uh, (laughs) It's funny. I came back into my house, told my dog about it, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. (laughs) (laughs) That, was, that one was pretty good. <laughs> that one wasn't bad, was it? Yeah. We laughed. Um, we're going to do like we normally do here. Um, I jotted down a few things before we talk with Dr. Dan Stanislawski and Paul. Uh, some of the things now in the past week that have happened, uh, $100 incentives going out to get the vaccine in Minnesota if you're 12 and over. So uh, they're bribing the Minnesotans now um, to get the, the, the vaccination. Uh, as of uh, yesterday, 418 active cases in North Dakota. 41 of those people were vaccinated. Uh, Minnesota colleges, the news came out yesterday. You're going to go to college in Minnesota, you better wear a mask. Well, you have to wear a mask this year. doesn't matter if you have been vaccinated or not. Uh, you, you, you've got to wear the mask, whether you're a student or you're a teacher, but indoors, you got to do it. Uh, VAERS, now this is a weird thing. Uh, deaths from the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, it was, they had it up to 12,313, but changed it because they claimed they were foreign entries or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the number dropped from 12,313 deaths to 6,207 as of July 22nd. Uh, some other numbers that we came up with here, uh, you know, it took 25 years to develop the chickenpox vaccine. This is something we've talked about when it comes to the COVID vaccine. Uh, you know, the flu vaccine is only 40 to 60% effective. That's something I didn't know. Smallpox. How about this? This is another thing I didn't know. Discovered in 1796. The last natural case was in 1977. Wow. Uh, also if you've uh, had the vaccine, do you then test positive? That's something I maybe will ask you later because uh, they're doing more random tests now. Uh, also in the news today, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, as of this morning, New York City people will require proof of vaccination for people in any indoor activities, restaurants, gyms, performances. Anybody that goes to see these events and their workers all must have a proof of vaccination. Uh, and then they have that big mass COVID outbreak uh, out in uh, Massachusetts. CDC, CDC shows that 74%, 74% of the people infected were fully vaccinated. 
Uh, these numbers uh, that I've got now, I, I think, are shocking. Now, these are deaths from January 1st through March 30th of 2020. Uh, over 10 million deaths due to abortion, almost 10.5 million. Uh, smoking deaths, almost 1.3 million in a year. Traffic deaths, almost 331,000. Suicides, 263,000. People that died from the flu in that one-year period, almost 119,000. Mothers that died during childbirth, almost 76,000. And people that died from coronavirus, 35,000. Yeah. So that's all I've got. Now, let's see what Dr. Dan has got. Yeah, well, yeah. well where to begin with what you, what you just brought up there? I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the abortion statistic because I think during that time, I, I, I saw that if you would have shut down abortion clinics across the globe for 12 hours, mm-hmm. you would have saved more lives than COVID had had taken in a year, right? Uh, yeah, right, yeah, right. But even that's just like that twelve-hour period, mm-hmm. right? Thirty-five thousand yeah. deaths or whatever. Twelve hours shut down abortion for twelve hours in the world, you save that many lives. Isn't that know? crazy? Yeah, it's wild. So that I mean that that tells us that there's a lot more going on here, especially the flu deaths, the smoking deaths that you talked about, cardiovascular disease. Uh, COVID nineteen wasn't even close to one of the tops, uh, the top killers in this world. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that there's something, sure. something happening, right? And it is an agenda. It is a great reset agenda, which we will be certainly talking about here. As far as the the testing um, after the shot, can you test positive for that? Um, it depends on what test you get. Well, because it, it's it's not really like the flu vaccine, because basically they're giving you a shot of the flu. Right. If I mean I'm not as smart as you, but. The COVID vaccine, is that the same thing then? So if they random test you, will you test positive? And, of course, they'll use that right. saying you tested positive. So if you do a PCR test, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do what's called an antigen test, which it would be an antigen test for the spike protein, mm-hmm. then you could very easily test positive. Okay. Right? So it, de- it depends on how they want to do that. I know if you have been fully vaccinated, they so-called vaccinated, they do a PCR test generally, and they actually lowered the cycle threshold parameter to 28 for people who've been vaccinated, whereas since the beginning of the so-called pandemic, uh, it's been at 40, which creates a much, much, much higher false positive rate. So Mm -hmm. again, they're they're conning us. They're conning us through numbers. Like they have been the whole time. They have been the entire time. And you can can tell it's, it's not about logic it's not about reason it's not about letting people conduct their lives as they want to because you still have to wear a mask now if you get mm-hmm. shots the breakout in massachusetts he referred to i mean the shots don't work how many people are going to willingly take the booster that's coming yeah um, even in in february um, moderna and pfizer said that they could roll out boosters as quickly as they need to because it's an mrna platform and all you got to do is it's very easy to just to alter mm-hmm. that i'll just put it mm-hmm. that way it's very easy to alter that and roll out a, a whole new set of shots so there's a lot of, of scandalous things going on here, um, and we'll get into that actually today. We'll get into that with why, what is the agenda moving forward, what is it based on, and you know, we'll also touch on who is doing it. Well, you know, uh, the thing that blows my mind too now is that you got the Biden administration using our tax money to incentivize people with $100 payouts to get the vaccine, yeah. even though the vaccine... Doesn't, doesn't do work. anything, <laughs> right? It doesn't work. No, <laughs> so no. it's just like just yeah. burning money for. Yeah. yeah. In fact, they've they've shown that uh, they've shown that people who get the shots have much higher viral loads and much higher capacity to transmit the virus as well. So yeah, there's there's nothing. It's not about health, right? It's not about logic. It's about it's about control. One this one aspect is about control. It's not just about control. There's a great many things about it. But yeah, as you mentioned, hundred dollars. That's coercion, right? Yeah, yeah. The Nuremberg Code specifically says no one can be coerced into an experimental medical treatment, mm-hmm. right? And this, that is exactly what this is. And it's a failing uh, experimental medical treatment. So 
where where is this all going? You well, know, I, I could see a few people wanting to take that hundred dollars, but most people, if if they don't want the vaccine, they're right. not going to get it. And a hundred dollars is not going to no. change their mind. No, absolutely not. It's not life changing money, and people have been put into the hurt bag with lockdowns and uh, uh, economic shutdown, et cetera, et cetera. So people, a hundred dollars isn't going to do it. And, and people are smart enough. I think, I hope, I hope uh, that a hundred dollars isn't going to, isn't going to be worth their immune system. Well, you know, what's fun. I, I just thought of this and what's kind of funny about it is that the hundred dollars that's, you know, not that big a deal. I would, I, I mean, a hundred dollars can be really beneficial for some people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. But if you were to say you're going to get $10,000, now then, wouldn't people be talking about? Well, wait, that sounds like coercion. Yeah, but a hundred dollars is like, oh, maybe with right. with a hundred, we we can probably let it slide. But if we go a little higher than that, then people are going to be like, hey, what's up? Why are they offering so much yeah. money for this? Okay, I I've I've got a question for both of you guys. Then, if they offered you ten thousand dollars right now to get the vaccine, would you take it? Absolutely not. And would you? You'd have to put probably another zero behind it. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have to flirt with that idea yeah, for a couple well, of minutes my, myself. My, I'm not for sale, so mm-hmm. it's, no way. No. Nope. I, I, I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the Great Reset, we're going to be talking about Okay, the Great book, Reset, yep. COVID-19, the Great Reset. Uh, it came out in Jan- uh, June, excuse me, June of last year, June of 2020. And there's a lot in here. This is a very revealing book. It was put out by the World Economic Forum and its chairman, who is a man named Klaus Schwab. I wonder if there's a picture of him in here. Because if you see this guy, uh, he is the archetype of a James Bond villain. Oh, and how so he talks and how he dresses. It is. He looks like a Klaus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's that's very, like a it's, villainous name. Yeah, it's Klaus. very, very strange. But uh, um, also, there's going to be a lot of what most people who are you know, not open-minded in, in the true sense, would call conspiracy theory in this book. And this, first of all, this is coming right from the horse's mouth, what they want to do. Uh, conspiracy theory is a weaponized term, actually. And it's weaponized to shut off critical thinking, right? Because you, you so, especially when it comes through news media, it was actually started after the JFK assassination mm-hmm. for people to shut up and stop questioning what happened with the JFK assassination. Yep, yep. Um, and so now people have been so conditioned that when they hear the words conspiracy theory, they automatically get emotional and the logical part of their brain shuts off and they totally ignore what were things that we're about to talk about, for example. Um, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, right? right. <laughs> so the world economic... <laughs> Had to do that. Sorry. So uh, also I have to, first of all, put a disclaimer here that I am myself. I don't totally feel comfortable coming out here and talking about this stuff. I wish there was someone more intelligent and more equipped to talk about this because this isn't just about, in fact, I doubt we're going to talk about molecular biology and biochemistry today, right? But you get into a lot of sciences and a lot of like geopolitics and economy, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. that we're going to be getting into here. And I'm not an expert mm-hmm. in a lot of that. I re- actually yep. read, I read stuff like this and I have for quite a long time. Sure. So I know a decent amount about this. But you know what? That makes you more of an expert than a lot of these people that just are following what is being told to them. At right. least you're doing the research yourself. Right. And yeah. most of these people do not. Right. And I'll say my research into this stuff has allowed me to come sit here today mm-hmm. and to do these things. Sure. So... I'm not completely ignorant, um, but um, and I have my opinions, which you, you will hear. And just to say that I wish there was someone a lot more intelligent, a lot more well-read to be able to bring this stuff to you. But nonetheless, 
someone must do it, so, so okay. I will. Um, <laughs> okay. Hold on, I better oh, turn you. your, what, what was that? You're smart to us, Dan. Oh, thank you very much. Thank well, with you. all the post-its in there, I'm assuming you, you yeah. probably knows what he's talking about. Yeah, well, well that's just because there's a lot of book, and I highly encourage... <laughs> I highly encourage people to read this stuff for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Always do your own research. Don't just take what I say as the truth, right? Sure. Read it, interpret it yourself. But I put post-its in here so I can easily get to there and mm-hmm. read, read to you guys the juicy stuff. Um, so the World Economic Forum is an international organization for public and private cooperation. So they're blending the public-private partnership lines. They're merging the two, right? And if you look at their partners... They include all the big boys, the, mm-hmm. the Apples, the Googles, the Pepsis, the Cokes, the BlackRock, the blah, 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 you yep. name it. They're all members of this. And every year they have their meeting at Davos, and it's called Davos, uh, where they get together and they talk about how they're going to usher the globe into this mm-hmm. new system, right? Um, and I'll just say, uh, John Kerry is now, he actually works for the Biden administration, and he is the first U.S. special presidential envoy for climate change. Uh, first time this position has ever been been granted. John Kerry's getting very old, uh, and I'm assuming that his position is actually probably well, this is going to be controversial, but I'm assuming he's far more powerful in the Biden administration than Joe Biden himself. Maybe that's not probably. That's, maybe well, that's not too. I'm much guessing a lot of people in the Biden administration <laughs> are more powerful than <laughs> yeah, Joe is. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> but John Kerry, uh, shortly after joe biden was elected to the presidency john Kerry was asked about the COVID 19 great reset agenda and john Kerry stated that the biden administration will bringing will be bringing in the great reset faster than you can possibly imagine so that's this is what we're enduring mm-hmm. so the the what's happening in new york city now the passports that stuff's not going away right and uh, the agenda will continue the push for the, the shots will continue until this new change this new way of life for the world uh will be brought in yeah and that's why we as a people Free people, the United States, right? Americans, if we don't stand up and oppose this, the world will fall. And I'm yep. telling you that right now. Uh, they got, I mean, I know Australia, they, they're, having mass protest. they're having mass protests all over the globe, actually, yes. against the, these, these, uh, these vaccine passports. And they don't have a certain thing that we have here in the United States, and that's called the Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment is there to protect all of our other freedoms, and we have to be willing to use that. And this is the, this reason now, our, the, what's happening right now on our globe is why we have the Second Amendment and why they put it in there for us. But it, right? it, it almost seems to Just me like um, the people running the country now, they don't give a crap. They don't give a rat's butt no. about the amendments, either, no. any one of them. No, absolutely not. And if they could get rid of the Second <clears throat> Amendment, they would have done it decades ago. Yes. Decades ago, mm-hmm. right? It's just that that's why they have to deal with America differently. We have the Second Amendment. We have... Hundreds of millions of people that own guns, hundreds of millions of guns out there. And can you imagine a bunch of blue helmets from the United Nations marching into the United States? Can you imagine what would happen to them? Well, they could march so far, but if they march up my driveway, they're exactly. going to be met with uh, some unfriendly stuff. Exactly. Me too. And just like millions and millions of Americans, right? And we need, the thing is we need to peacefully, somehow peacefully, use the Second Amendment to get our rights back. So... That's why this must be opposed. We didn't vote for any of this. Mm -mm. None of this is by our consent, and this needs to be opposed at all costs, to the death if necessary. Um, And so we'll start with a little video that came out from the World Economic Forum uh, right when this uh, book was published. 
And it's, for, uh, it's called Eight Predictions for the World in 2030. And I'll actually have to read them because they don't have words with it. For the, for the, it'll be for the benefit of people that are uh, listening and not watching this podcast. <clears throat> so here we go. Eight Predictions for the World in 2030. Number one, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Whatever you want, you'll rent and it'll be delivered by drone. Number two, the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. A handful of countries will dominate. Number three, you won't die waiting for an organ donor. We won't transplant organs. We'll print new ones instead. Number four, you'll eat much less meat. An occasional treat, not a staple, for the good of the environment and our health. Oh my gosh. They care about us. Number five, a billion people will be displaced by climate change. So we'll have to do a better job at welcoming and integrating refugees. Number six, polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. There will be a global price on carbon. This will help make fossil fuels history. No, it won't. It will <laughs> retransfer wealth to the... To the mm-hmm. Number seven, you could be preparing to go to Mars. Scientists will have worked out how to keep you healthy in space to, to start of the start of a, new, a journey to find a new home. Question mark. Number eight, Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. <clears throat> so there you go. That's the agenda. And that's actually very, very in your face, right? Just a little commercial they put out. You'll own nothing. You'll be happy. Um, so again, that'll be, that's communism. We're all going to share everything. We're going to rent everything. As we speak, one of the biggest financial institutions on planet earth called BlackRock is buying up real estate in this country. At the same time, uh, Bloomberg put out an article says saying that the United States is going to become a nation of renters, right? And BlackRock is going around and buying up neighborhoods of houses for 20, 30% over the asking price. So who's going to say no to that? Mm -hmm. And they're going to own everything. Uh, This is how this is, uh, the communist takeover. One of the ways it's, it's happening. The U.S. won't be a leading superpower any longer. Why is that? Well, um, we're, the, they're going to reserve the, the, the reserve status of the U.S. dollar will be taken away, and they're printing it into oblivion. We'll kind of get to that, so they'll, they'll destroy that. Um, and obviously, as a people, we're becoming less value-driven, less disciplined, uh, right? Uh, so as a people, we are also uh, you know, descending greatly from where we once were. The organ donor stuff... You know, maybe we'll get that to a different episode. Um, eat much less meat, right? So they, they, yeah, good luck. Yeah, they, exactly. <clears throat> they want to control what we eat for sure. Meat is supremely healthy for you, especially beef. Red meat mm-hmm. is highly nutrient-dense, um, and especially you get it organic. I get mine from a local farmer, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very healthy for you, so the, the idea that meat is bad for you is absolutely false. Um, billion people displaced by climate change, so they're going to be bringing, bringing refugees in the country. They're doing that without oh, yep. the excuse. For Thousands a day. Right? Yep. yep. Um, polluters have to pay for CO2. That's, they're already doing that. That's what the Paris Accord yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, going to Mars, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that should be, no. we're, we're not even going to the moon anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, what, what are they talking about there? But Western values will have to be tested to the breaking point. This is a, another big one that we're going to get into, but it's, they're bringing in communism, right? They're going to sure. erode the facade of individualism and individual liberties. They, they call it a facade that we have now, and for some purposes, they're, they're, they're correct in saying that, um, but they're going to bring in a communist style. 
system. So what got me, uh, Dan, was the uh, the fossil fuels one. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay, we saw what happened down in Texas this past winter. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, we're we're gonna run everything, you know, green. It's gonna be wind and it's gonna be sun and it's gonna be all this. Well, then they get an ice storm. Yeah, and pretty soon they're robbing power from all the way up in Moorhead, Minnesota. Oh yeah, and they think we're gonna run the United States. Yeah, on that. Oh yeah, no way. What do we do up here? It's the same with electric cars. Yeah, yeah. okay, they might be fine in Florida or California or Arizona. What do you do up here when we get those 30, 40 below weather days when you're already automatically going to lose probably 50%, if not more, of your power because it's battery operated and it's right. this cold? And then what do you do? You do um, hopefully, you can find a charging station right. between here and your destination, which is going to be way less in the winter because yeah. of the cold weather. It's, it's not going to work. None right. of this crap's going to work. No, absolutely not. You're, you're absolutely 100% correct about that. There isn't a a nearly as efficient replacement for energy from the fossil fuels we now use, the, the coal and that, that type of thing. Um, so again, the getting rid of the coal-based energy is an attack on us, attack on our system, attack on our way of, our way of life. I mean, maybe you can argue nuclear energy mm, is yeah. a little better, but the thing about nuclear energy is they say it's very cost-efficient as well, except when it goes wrong, mm-hmm. it goes all the way wrong. Like, yeah. Look at Fukushima. Yeah. Right? How about two nuclear-powered cars getting in a head-on collision? Is that <laughs> yeah. going to be an issue? Oh, yeah, that's and, a and you know, point. This is funny how the rest of the world or the rest of the United States thinks. Back in the mid-'80s, I moved out to California. I lived out in the West Coast told him I was from an hour at that time I was an hour from North Dakota and an hour from Canada and they were amazed they didn't even realize we had electricity for oh, Pete's wow. sakes and yeah. what's that plug in out of the front of your car for and I told him well you guys don't have electric cars around here <laughs> yeah. I mean I had these guys fooled thinking yeah. that we have electric cars up in, <laughs> up in the tundra up here where yeah we don't live in igloos but yeah. so many people around the United States especially when you get into the heavy populated metro areas they have no clue what the rest of the country is like. You know, the biggest thing that I you pointed out in there that kind of hit me was the, uh, the you know, getting rid of the American dollar. And right yep. now, I mean, in, uh, inflation is just crazy. Absolutely. Biden is just burning money we don't have. Well, I mean, this was, I mean, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Like the fossil fuel stuff under Donald Trump was much better. We mm-hmm. became energy independent. Sure. However, I also say I'm not, I am no fan of Donald Trump. And after 2020... The U.S. printed more money in that year under his presidency than they had in the previous like thirty years combined, or something like that, right? So this is not something that was that's that's limited to the Biden administration. So, but we'll we'll also talk about that. That is one of the sections we'll actually read their words about the U.S. losing the reserve currency status. But I think this is a good time to read uh, the intro here. Just a very brief little paragraph. Says so at, at the time of this writing in June 2020, the pandemic continues to worsen globally. Many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short response is never. So never return to normal. Never. That is it. That is they're telling you flat out. Yeah, not going it's back. not going to happen. No. Nothing will ever return to the broken sense of normalcy that prevailed prior to the crisis because the coronavirus pandemic marks a fundamental inflection point in our global trajectory. Some analysts call it a major bifurcation. Others refer to a deep crisis of biblical proportions. But the essence remains the same. The world as we knew it in the early months of 2020 is no more, dissolved into the context of the pandemic. Radical changes of such consequence are coming that some... Of such concept that some pundits have referred to a before coronavirus BC and after coronavirus AC era. <laughs> Aren't they cute? Oh my gosh. Aren't they cute? Oh we gosh. will continue to be surprised by both the rapidity and unexpected nature of these changes. New normal, radically different from the new one, will be 
will be progressively left behind. So we'll have this new normal. Many of our beliefs and assumptions about what the world could or should look like will be shattered in the process. So there you go. From the horse's mouth, what's, what is coming, what they're going to talk about here is our new way of life, and we essentially have no choice in it because, again, the Biden administration... I know there's a picture of Emmanuel Macron, who is the president of France. They had a picture of him this, just sitting on his desk, this book. You know, so this is something that the global leaders mm-hmm. are commanded. It's not something that they're like, oh, I think I'm going to do this or not. No, they're commanded, and they are following their orders like good little robots. Can, so, can anybody get their hands on that book? Absolutely. Anyone okay. can buy this. Go to your favorite bookstore, yeah. and it should be there. Exactly. And actually, the precursor to this book by this same group um, was called The Fourth Industrial Revolution, and it came on 2017. I don't know if you've heard that terminology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that's where it comes from. It comes yep. from the okay. World Economic Forum, and that's where we get into the automation of, of everything, robots, sure. things like that, the, the, the merging of physical, biological, and digital entities right? All into one thing. So that we're talking about implantable devices, that type of stuff. So none of this is conspiracy theory. They're telling you flat out that this is happening. Like imagine you read that paragraph to like a 13 year old. Yeah. Never go back to to the way it was. That's just like, yeah. Oh yeah. You should be. Yeah. The thing is that it is kind of scary. It is kind of jarring for people, especially if you've never come across this information before, but we're not there yet. We still actually have a choice as to whether or not this happens. It's just we have to put aside the crap that is dividing us. And we're being divided through our entertainment system, education systems, blah, blah, blah. You name it. They are scientifically controlling our minds to hate each other when we and, need to come together and love each other and oppose the real threats to humanity. Yeah, and, and I like the way you, you phrase that, uh, Dr. Dan, the crap yeah. that is dividing us because it is crap. Yes, absolutely. It's not... People aren't inherently racist. I'm sorry. You know, we, we didn't have major race issues in this country until Obama came in back into office. And, uh, and then, you know, that kind of spiraled things out of control. And then when Trump was in office, it got worse and worse and worse. So the division there, um, you know, the division widened there big time under Trump. I mean, it wasn't really Trump's fault because the media was kind of, you know, going after him and making him seem like a racist when, of course, Donald Trump was not, was not a racist. Um, but then... They have had COVID, and now they have wonderful ways of dividing us even further between labeling us, you know, vaccinated, not vaccinated. Uh, Governor of Alabama says you're either normal or you're unvaccinated. Right? Yeah. You're normal, you're unvaccinated. So, again, this is all – I mean, this is, uh, this is actually an old technique that comes from Sun Tzu. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you label your enemies with names to dehumanize them so that your armies have no problem running over these people and killing them because they're no longer human. Sure. They're unvaccinated, mm-hmm. right? They're, yeah anti-maskers they're anti-science right and i even remember uh, back in february i think it was in, in the new england journal of medicine they put out maybe it was maybe it was the journal of american medical Association, i don't remember but they put out a science denier article so the where they were they're already laying the groundwork where for labeling people who are anti-maskers and, and against the vaccines anti-science and making it a diagnosable mental disorder mental disease Right. So that's what's coming down the pike. So um, we, we have to be on our toes and we have to fight back against it. So on to the fate of the U.S. dollar. <clears throat> it says for decades, the U.S. has enjoyed the exorbitant privilege 
of retaining the global currency reserve, a status that has long been a perk of imperial might and economic elixir. To a considerable extent, American power and prosperity have been built and reinforced by the global trust in the dollar and the willingness of customers abroad to hold it, most often in the form of U.S. government bonds. The fact that so many countries and foreign institutions want to hold dollars as a store of value and as an instrument of exchange has anchored its status as the global reserve currency. This has enabled the U.S. to borrow cheaply abroad and benefit from low interest rates at home, which in turn has allowed Americans to consume beyond their means. It has also made large recent U.S. government deficits possible, permitting the U.S. to run substantial trade deficits, reduce the exchange rate risk, and made the U.S. financial markets more liquid. At the core of the U.S. dollar status as a reserve currency lies a critical issue of trust. Non-Americans who hold dollars trust that the United States will protect both its own interests and the rest of the world as far as the U.S. dollar is concerned. Its currency, like providing a dollar liquidity to the global financial system efficiently and rapidly. So what that's saying there is the trust. Like, so China, mm-hmm. all these people holding U.S. dollars and U.S. bonds, they trust that the U.S. is going to uh, you know, um, be smart about how they manage the U.S. dollar status. Look what happened last year. Right, they're inflating it to all hell. Oh yeah, right. Yep. And the thing is, that affects everyone in the sure. world that trades with the U.S. dollar. So mm-hmm. eventually, everyone that is trading with the U.S. dollar can be like, "No, we're not going to use this anymore." Right. And when that happens, America is going to take a big hit. Right. And again, this they know this. The and it's, again, it's not America that controls the monetary sure. policy of the United sure. States. It's a privately owned organization called the Federal Reserve. Right. This is very important. It's not an arm of the U.S. government. It is a separate entity mm-hmm. that is owned by people. Mm-hmm. Right. So think about that. There are people that own the Federal Reserve, which runs not only the country of the, uh, the economy of the United States and the power of the U.S. dollar, but they all, these people also own Bank of England. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bank of Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, you name it. Mm-hmm. You name a central bank. These guys are behind it. We'll get in there shortly, too. <clears throat> So for quite some time, some analysts and policymakers have been considering a possible and progressive end to the dominance of the dollar. They now think that the pandemic might be the catalyst that proves them right. In their mind, unsustainable levels of debt will eventually erode confidence in the U.S. dollar. This unsustainable path will worsen in the post-pandemic era, post-bailout era. This argument suggests that something major will therefore have to change, either through a much-reduced geopolitical role or higher taxation or both. Otherwise, the rising deficit will reach a threshold beyond which non-U.S. investors are willing to fund it. The status of the reserve currency cannot last longer than foreign confidence in the ability of the holder to honor its payments. Even though the Fed and the U.S. Treasury manage the dollar and its influential network worldwide with efficacy, skeptics emphasize that the willingness of the U.S. administration to weaponize the U.S. dollar for geopolitical purposes, excuse me, like punishing countries and companies that trade with Iran or North Korea will inevitably incentivize dollar holders to look for alternatives. Are there viable alternatives? This is where it gets another layer. The U.S. remains the formidable global hegemon. Means dictator, but they're talking about now that there's the Chinese has a, po- a potential. The Chinese remember might be another candidate, but then they get into a global virtual currency. Okay, global virtual currencies, cryptos. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. There is none in sight yet, but there are attempts to launch national digital currencies that may even eventually dethrone the U.S. dollar supremacy. The most significant one took place in China at the end of April 2020 with a test of a national digital currency in four large cities. The country is years ahead of the rest of the world in developing a digital currency combined with powerful electronic payment platforms. This experiment clearly shows that there are monetary systems that are trying to become independent from U.S. intermediaries while moving towards greater digitization. So 
clearly we have the U.S. or the, the U.S. dollars being sunk by the Federal Reserve. Um, then they have what are called central bank digital currencies. And these are, again, digital currencies. And now the way that the banking structure works is that you have the Federal Reserve, which might be, it's a very powerful bank. I mean, these are the, the people that run the world run the banks. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that way. Yep. And they yep. have for, the Federal Reserve Act, by the way, the United States was in 1913. 1913, they took away essentially our birthright. They, they gave the right of printing the dollar to this privately owned industry and took it away from the government and therefore out of the control of the people. That's when the income tax started. Uh, the year before, the, actually, the year of 1913 was the last year we had a, a positive balance in our budget. Yep. It was like some like $30, $40 billion mm-hmm. in plus, and that all came from tariffs, right? Mm-hmm. Right after that, started the decline. Why? Because, again, the Federal Reserve, right? So you had the Federal Reserve, which is incredibly powerful. However, all of these guys organized through a bank called the Bank for International Settlements, or the BIS. And if you, uh, these, the Bank for International Settlements is pushing the central bank digital currencies. And as we speak, I think it's 50, 50 to 60 central banks across the globe are already testing the central bank digital currency system. Uh, the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, just came out and said that they, their white paper on the American central bank digital currency will be coming out sometime this summer. It hasn't come out yet. And also the, the Bank of International Settlements is, is talking about a new cross-border payment system that will be based on the, these cryptos. Okay, And so this is not a good thing for us. I'll just put it that way. This is actually a very bad thing. Yeah, I actually was uh, had a conversation with a guy that follows our show the other day, and uh, he said if we go total digital currency, cryptocurrency, he thinks for sure it'll be the fall of the United States because then it leads to the point where, well, they can tell you what you're going to spend your money on. Exactly. You know, no, we're not going to let you spend your money here. You can't go buy this 12-pack of Bush Light. You can't do this. We're going to tell you what to do because, well, we're basically in control. We're going to yep. take a quick break here, but uh, Dr. Dan Stanislawski... The Great Reset with the Midwest Public Health Coalition is here. Uh, we did get a text. Uh, let's see if I can find it. No, no, I lost it with a guy from a, a guy named David. So this guy's great. You should have him on at least once a week. Uh, thank you for the text, David. You know, there is nothing better than treating yourself to some good homemade baked goods. Uh, we go to Old for Heaven's Cakes or right down the hall. Telling you, man, best cupcakes and cakes for special occasions, maybe just a treat. Uh, they're good stuff. You can either order them or walk in to find out more. And while you're there, you know what? You might as well enjoy some homemade lunch and soup. They've got keto, gluten-free, vegan, and diabetic options. Maybe you want a business. Time to treat your employees to a little treat. Check out their monthly employee discounts. Oh, for Heaven's Cakes, they're on the north back side of the Grand Cities Mall, open Tuesday through Friday from 10 to 4, Saturdays 9 to noon. Call 701-757-CAKE, that's 701-757-2253, or go to Oh, for Heaven's Cakes at yahoo.com. Be a beautiful cupcake in a world full of muffins. Oh, for Heaven's Cakes in the Grand Cities Mall. I'd like to thank everybody that's uh, texting and watching so far on the show. And again, if you have any questions or comments for Dr. Dan, myself, or Paul, our phone number is 701-213-0863. And I'm sorry I cut you off. Oh, that's I would, okay. I would like to point out, I think this is one of our best shows. I think this stuff is so incredibly interesting. Good. Good. And yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's interesting and terrifying oh absolutely yeah yeah. This is why, yeah this is why they don't teach you true history and what's really going yeah. on in this world this is why they, they has anyone has anyone ever heard of the federal reserve act before i brought it up there mm. i mean right I mean, they don't tell you that little piece of history which is fundamental to our way of life they don't tell you that for a reason because you would know who the enemy is that sure right yeah. sure i always thought that all of our money came from uh, all the gold bars and the what was it fort knox or whatever oh uh, mm-hmm. if it was only that easy yeah. yeah yeah nixon got us off the gold standard in the 70s right 
So, yeah, and like I was, I was saying, the crypto system is not a good thing for us. It is a spy grid, the likes of which we have never seen before. As John mentioned, it will be, they will be able to control what you buy and what you sell and who you buy from. So if you give, you know, 100 bucks to your church on a Sunday, mm-hmm. they don't like that, guess what? You're not going to get to buy or sell anything for a month. Bad yeah. boy. Well, yeah. the big one that would happen, that w- this would be the very first thing is you can't buy a gun. Yeah. Oh, oh, of course. Oh, definitely. Of course. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, but there's, again, there's much to be said on that as well, but we'll move on to the next thing, which is the, the changing of neoliberalism, which is the, the democratic system, to communism. And so <clears throat> it says, first and foremost, the post-pandemic era will usher in a period of massive wealth distribution from the rich to the poor and from capital to labor. First of all, that is totally incorrect. Right. We, we, we know that that's not true. You can see the, we- the wealthiest of the world got incredibly more wealthy since the beginning of the pandemic. That's not true. There, will be, there is a great wealth distribution going on, but it's opposite of what they just said there. But yeah, second, if, if, well, I was going to say, if they didn't get wealthy, I mean, uh, Bezos wouldn't have been able to launch his giant dick rocket into space. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, second, COVID-19 is likely to sound the death knell of neoliberal, neoliberal, neoliberalism. Excuse me. A corpus of ideas and policies that can loosely be defined as favoring competition over solidarity, creative destruction over government intervention, and economic growth over social welfare. For a number of years, the neoliberal doctrine has been on the wane, with many commentators, business leaders, and policymakers increasingly denouncing its market fetishism, but COVID-19 brought the coup de grace. It is no coincidence that the two countries that over the past few years embraced the policies of neoliberalism with the most fervor, the U.S. and the U.K., are among those that suffered the most casualties during the pandemic. (gasps) No way. It's our freedoms. (laughs) Our freedoms is what's killing us, right? These two concomitant forces, massive redistribution on the one hand and abandoning neoliberal policies on the other, will exert a defining impact on our society's organization, ranging from how inequalities could spur social unrest to the increasing role of governments and the redefining of redefinition of social contracts. So listen to that. That's, that's beautiful rationalizing of what's mm-hmm. happening here. That is, this, is, this is scaring us into ushering in communism. Right, because it's saying, yeah, it's saying all oh, your freedoms and your ability to travel and move about as you please and not wear your mask and not take the shot. That's what's killing us. Whereas if we had a place like China where they locked down instantly mm-hmm. across the country for two weeks, what it was, they were literally welding people in their homes. At least if you believe what you see on the things, which you should never do. Yeah, but, but um, at least if you believe the stats again, which I don't. But they had a very le- they had a lot less deaths, much much less deaths than the United States and the UK, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So we should, you know, give away our freedoms. So that we can be locked in our locked into our homes at whim, yeah, if necessary. Yeah. Oh, that right? just sounds lovely, doesn't yeah. it? Right. So again, they're using this uh, so-called pandemic to usher in a communist-style government. And what will that communist-style government look like? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it will be a global governance style of of, of uh, government. Right. It will be a communist system that will be global. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see what we have to say. More and more often, the big problems besetting us take place beyond the control of even the most powerful nation-states. The risks and issues to be confronted are increasingly globalized, interdependent, and interconnected, while the global governance capacities to do so are failing perilously, endangered by the resurgence of nationalism. Uh Uh-oh. So again, they're talking about 
that old time in 2020. I don't know if you remember when, uh, you know, we had uh, Donald Trump a nationalist president, even though, again, this, mm-hmm. was, this was continuing <clears throat> under, under his watch. But then you also had Brexit a few years before that. So you had people wanting, you know, the will of the people is to be more free. So to have sure. separate nation states that aren't controlled by a, a, a monolithic governmental organization that controls the world. We don't want that. So, hey, let's go more nation state. And they're saying that's a danger because COVID, you know, that could happen. But so such disconnect signifies not only the most critical global issues are being addressed in a highly fragmented, thus inadequate manner, but also that they are actually being exacerbated by this failure to deal with them properly. Thus, far from remaining constant, they inflate and end up increasing systemic fragility. Strong interconnections exist between global governance failure, climate action failure, national government failure, social instability, and of course, the ability to successfully deal with pandemics. There you go. In a nutshell, global governance is at the nexus of all these other issues. Therefore, the concern is that without appropriate global governance, we will become paralyzed in our attempts to address and respond to global challenges, particularly when there is such a strong dissonance between short-term domestic imperatives and long-term global challenges. This is a major worry, considering that today there is no committee to save the world. COVID-19 tells just such a story of failed global governance. From the very beginning, a vacuum of global governance, exacerbated by the strained relations between U.S. and China, undermined international efforts to respond to the pandemic. At the onset of the crisis, international cooperation was non-existent or limited, and even during the period when it was needed the most, it remains conspicuous by its absence. Instead of triggering a set of measures coordinated globally, COVID-19 led to the opposite. A stream of border closures, restrictions in international travel and the trade introduced almost without any coordination. So, again, they're saying that we need, in order to better respond to national glo- or global threats, excuse me, we need a global problem, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a global... Which we have. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have a... We, we, we already do, right? And they even say in there, I, I left out the part there, where they talk about how um, you can't blame the WHO for what's happening here, even though the WHO is a global organization. There, there wasn't this global organization that occurred, but that is false, right? Mm-hmm. Never in the history of the United States or excuse me, never in the history of the world, has every nation responded in the exact same way to the exact same threat. Everyone locked down across the globe all at the same time. Everyone put on the mask, you know? We're talking about global, uh, global human behavioral change at the will of governments come with, based on advice from a global system called mm-hmm. the World Health Organization, right? So we already had a massive global governance structure already in place. What they're saying here really is that it's not good enough yet, right? They don't have enough control yet. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have a communist style dictatorship that's going to be global and it's going to have a global electronic digital system. Mm -hmm. You might have your American central bank digital currency, if you live in America, et cetera, et cetera, but it will be a much tighter global system. Okay, now I have a question for you, Dr. Dan. Um, as Katie saw, I actually just put some money in the swear jar for the first ah. time ever. Um, I, I just want a yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, it, basically then, this COVID-19, it, it's basically just started a global shit show. Yes, absolutely. So, so the way I see it, and again, people, you got to make up your own mind. The way I see it is that COVID-19, it was already happening well before this, mm-hmm. right? And they, when they could do a COVID-19 style takeover, that's when they did it. Right? That's sure, when jumped they, all over. Exactly. That's when they're like, okay, we have enough control over human behavior, human psychology, mm-hmm. human, human neurochemistry even, by the way, right? That's the, that's the power of the television. Talk about oh, that. yeah. I'll yeah. talk about that some other time. Um, but so they, they knew that they are already at a place where they could do a COVID-19 mm, right. style without the world 
having enough power to stop them, without the people of the world, I should say, having enough power to stop them, right? And so, yeah, this was going on a long time, in my opinion. It was de- definitively going on a long time before COVID happened. It's just COVID is the open declaration right. that this is happening mm-hmm. of the elites. It's, a, it's actually an open declaration of war, if you want to think about it this way. Open declaration of war by the elites against us no, don't you think the true Americans, the ones that think, you know, I am, uh, I'm patriotic. I believe in the United States. It's the greatest country in the world. Now all these people are thinking differently. Yeah. Don't you think true Americans? I mean, come on, man. Look what we have been going through through the last couple hundred years. Yeah. And now all the crap that started back in the 30s and 40s. It seems like it's coming back again. Yep. Don't you think the true blue Americans would figure that out and realize they're blowing a bunch of smoke up our, you know what? Yeah. Well, that's a one now th- uh, just going back to even Trump, you know, because maybe they had been working on this. And I mean, this would be my conspiracy theory, but all of a sudden Trump started turning things the way that they didn't want because they had all this stuff in motion. And then he started to make waves and so they were just like, they had this in their back pocket, and they're like, release the coronavirus! Right. Yeah. We got we to stop yeah. this, because so, it's getting too powerful. I think, I think that's too narrow-minded of thinking, because it's not just about American politics, right? And also, all of this stuff happened under Donald Trump. All the lockdowns happened, all the mm-hmm. money printing, all of these things, um, all, all happened under him, right? That's why I voted for him the first time, didn't vote for him the second time. And in fact, I'm not going to vote until the system returns to a proper constitutional public, I won't be voting again because I won't give my assent to the system, even if my guy doesn't win. But one, one thing that gets me, though, and, and you touched on it earlier, Dr. Dan, it was the first time, I think, in the United States' history where we were totally self-sufficient. Yeah. And, and as far as I look at that, I mean, yeah, I heard the complaints. Uh, farmers at first because of tariffs and things, mm-hmm. but they worked themselves out. Mm-hmm. Steel is another one. Mm-hmm. We were importing our steel, which is if you are a welder or build anything with steel, you know the imported stuff is crap. Yeah. United States steel is is the best it's yep. going to cost you a little more yep. big deal i've always been the guy for many many years i chinsed my way through life i thought well i'm not going to spend the extra money to buy something that i obviously know is better yep. and it bit me in the butt yep. but now we're just uh, everything's in chaos yes. i mean we were really sitting in a good place whether you like the president or not he put people back to work mm-hmm. uh the minorities put them back to work uh people loved them yep and well, most people did, right. but it, it, it's still, I still look at it as, and, and I don't care who's running our country. Mm-hmm. I want our country to be the country I grew up with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree that, that, that a lot of that stuff was happening with Trump. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. I'm not going to argue with you on that. I will say that, uh, we, like you're talking about the American steel. I will say our America is so blessed with natural resources yes. that we should not have to import any goods. Anything. Actually, nothing. Right? Nothing. And we did it for a year. Right. And this is, well, cl- cl- close. But yeah, th- well, this, yeah. Was, this, was, this was happening. This takeover, especially of the economic structure like that, was happening for decades. Actually, it didn't matter if it was a Republican president. It didn't matter if it was a Dem- Democratic president. What happened was you had... Uh, uh, NAFTA, you had GATT, mm-hmm. you had all these treaties that were signing that were signed that were that were that were moving our businesses overshores, mm-hmm. overseas, right? And so, as a result, instead of becoming a pro- nation of producers, we became what's called a uh, service economy, yeah. where we're basically just consumers, and Americans don't produce anything anymore, mm-hmm. right? When that that's bad, right? Because sure. because something like this is going to happen. What happens now if we we do have a massive economic collapse? I mean, a true massive economic shutdown. Uh, some catastrophic failure of systems 
some grid, whatever, doesn't, doesn't matter, world war, mm-hmm. right? And America no longer produces anything, right? We're in trouble. So these policies that have been that happening to us for my generation, for sure, I think, it's, I mean, I think Reagan was the first one to start it. Sorry if there's anyone that likes Reagan out there. But, uh, but uh, this is, again, a, a limiting the capacity of Americans to be free and produce for themselves, yes. right? So this is a boil the frog in the water slowly type of situation. And oh, we're now boiling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good way of putting it, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and that's that's the, how it works with a lot of things. Actually, yeah, that, that, that premise. Um, it sure does. Yeah. So we we actually we, I'm going to skip the climate change stuff because we talked about that, and that's kind of you know it's we know that stuff's BS. Yeah, whatever. They're coming yeah. in there. They're yeah. using that. We, Kate, we. I think Katie should give us her best uh, Greta Thunberg impression. No idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Something Thunderbird. That's all I got. Taking our our children's rights. And- <laughs> yeah. she, she was like the time person of the year, like 2019 or something. Oh, yeah. She was. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Then see. Yep. Then that's what you can. I'm sorry. That's that's a total production, right? That's an yeah. actor. Oh, that's absolutely. An there are people yep. that want this agenda to go through, so they're like, "Oh, we need a little kid," because for some reason, sixteen like liberals. I mean, leftists. Oh yeah. Love yeah. to take their cues from sixteen year olds. Yeah. Like, well, what? I mean, look at our president. He likes to sniff thirteen year olds' hair for Pete's <laughs> yeah. sake. Oh, yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Oh yeah. Freak. Freak. Yeah. Yep. So we'll go next into robotics and automation. This is a. Uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution stuff we're talking about here, and we'll get more into this one when I go over that book. Um, but it says about robotics and automation of our, of our jobs. Here we go. In one form or another, social and physical distancing measures are likely to persist after the pandemic itself subsides, justifying the decision in many companies from different industries to accelerate automation. After a while, the enduring concerns about technological unemployment will recede as societies emphasize the need to restructure the workplace in a way that minimizes closed human contact. Indeed, automation technologies are particularly well suited to a world in which human beings can't get too close or to each other, too close to each other, or are willing to reduce their interactions. Our lingering and possibly lasting fear of being infected with a virus, COVID-19, or another, will thus speed the relentless march of automation, particularly in the fields most susceptible to automation. In 2016, two academics from Oxford University came to the conclusion that up to 86% of jobs in restaurants, 75% of jobs in retail, and 59% of jobs in entertainment could be automized by the year 2035. These industries are amongst the hardest hit by the pandemic and in which automating for reasons of hygiene and cleanliness will be a necessity that will in turn will further accelerate the transition towards more tech and more digital. So yeah, it's it's all it's a lot longer, but so it just goes reminds me of that movie Wall-E. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if you ever saw that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a great movie. And, and basically eventually that's going to take away all jobs. Yes. Definitely. Uh, and, and so I mean, if you think uh there's a lot of middle to low class or low income people in the United States now, now you throw in the computers and the automation and they're going to take all the jobs away because they've got a cleaner, more efficient way of doing it. Yes. Then what the hell do we do? Yes. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, then you will have universal basic income. Yeah. It, right. Right. So, so this was something. This is an idea again. That's not new. I talk about this guy all the time, and his name is Bertrand Russell. Again, I, I, he's a very important writer. Very important. I call him a reality creator, if you will, because he and his philosophy and his ideas. Maybe they weren't necessarily his, and maybe they were the think tank he works for, and he's the front man for it. Whatever you want to wish doesn't matter. But one of the other things he talked about. He talked about this in the 40s, by the way. He talked about how there will be an electronic credit system put into place Mm -hmm. that people will get their monthly allowance, right? And you will be able to only buy a certain amount of bread or whatever they want you to buy. And if you don't spend all of it, your account's going to go to zero at the end of the month just to be re-upped so you will not be able to save anything. 
right? This is the system they want to bring into us. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it must be opposed. <laughs> so, so much for the American dream. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Uh, David, by the way, texts, he says, I agree with Paul. How about that? He agrees no with shit. Paul. Yeah, uh, I, believe that. <laughs> I believe that because President Trump was moving us back to an independent constitutional republic. The globalists unleashed SARS-CoV-2 to, west, to the West, uh, control away from President Trump. Obviously, it worked, and I believe that he was bullied into pushing the vaccine while he was president. And, of course, then they stole the White House from him. Total violation of the will of the American people. Yeah. Uh, I tend here, to I agree with him. I have a dollar have, for Katie. You guys don't have to pay us. It's your show. No, that's okay. I, if I would well, have had a dollar, the, I wasn't going to put a 20 in there. So <laughs> them, Them's the rules. I looked at that and I was like, no way you're actually going to put a 20 in there. No, uh, no way I wasn't going to put a 20 in there. <laughs> this is to keep us under control, too. Yeah. <laughs> the, way, <laughs> the way Dr. Dan is talking, that 20, I might have to hold on to it for the rest of my life because you never know. Yeah, right. Well, again, they, this uh, you get rid of cash, right? The digital system sure. gets rid of cash uh, because there's viruses on it. You know, ooh, boogie, oh, yeah, boogie, yeah, boogie. That means the swear jar won't be needed in the future if it's going to be electronic. We're going to have to get one of those little swipe things. So you can just swipe it, and then that way, yeah, and we'll then we'll disinfect it. Yeah. Or your phone, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, all right, next next subject is surveillance. And I call this subject surveillance cubed because it is a total surveillance system. <clears throat> the most effective form of tracking or tracing is, ob- and again, this is in the context of contact tracing for COVID-19, for the viruses, right? The most effective form of tracking or tracing is, uh, by the way, it's not tracing a virus, right? They're not tracing a virus. They're tracing human movement and human interaction. You can't trace a virus with a camera. The most effective form of tracking or tracing is obviously the one powered by technology. It not only allows all backtracking, all the contracts with whom the user of a mobile phone has been in touch with, but also tracking the user's real-time movements, which in turn affords the possibility to better enforce a lockdown and to warn other mobile users in the proximity of the carrier that they have been exposed to someone infected. So again... No need for the Stasi tattletales or people, you know, reporting their, their families out to the NKVD, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need that anymore, right? They don't need people to help them anymore. It comes as no surprise that digital tracing has become one of the most sensitive issues in terms of public health, raising the acute concerns about privacy around the world. In the early phases of the pandemic, many countries, mostly in East Asia, but also others like Israel, decided to implement digital tracing under different forms. They shifted from their retroactive tracing of chains of past contagion to the real-time tracking of movements in order to confine a person infected by COVID-19 and to enforce subsequent quarantines or partial lockdowns. From the outset, China, Hong Kong, and South Korea implemented coercive and intrusive measures of digital tracing. They took the decision to track individuals without their consent through their mobile and credit card data and even employed video surveillance. In addition, some economies required the mandatory wearing of electronic braces for travel arrivals and people in quarantine to alert those individuals susceptible susceptible of being infected. Others opted for the middle ground. And what a nice middle ground this is. Middle ground solutions where individuals placed in quarantine are equipped with a mobile phone to monitor their location and be publicly identified should they breach the rules. The digital tracing solution most praised and talked about was the Trace Together app run by Singapore's Ministry of Health. It seems to offer the ideal balance between efficiency and privacy concerns by keeping user data on their phone rather than on a server and by assigning the login anonymously. 
Bluetooth identifies the user's physical contacts with another user of the application accurately to within about two meters. And if a risk of COVID-19 transmission is incurred, the app will warn the con- warn that the contact, at which point the transmission of stored data to the Ministry of Health becomes mandatory. But the contact's anonymity is maintained. So, yeah, they're not going to know it's you. Yeah. Come yeah, on. They yeah, love right. you. They're not going to look at yeah. you. Come on. <laughs> they love you. Trace Together is therefore non-intrusive in terms of privacy and its code, available in open source, makes it usable by any country anywhere in the world, yet privacy advocates object that there are still risks. If the entire population of a country downloaded the application, and if there were a sharp increase in COVID-19 infections, then the app could end up identifying most citizens. No kidding. You don't say. <laughs> Again, we want to emphasize this is a fast-moving and highly volatile situation. The announcement made in April by the app by Apple and Google that they are collaborating to develop an app that health officials could use to reverse engineer the movements and connections of a person infected by the virus points to a possible way out for societies. Way out, guys. Take the shot. Get the app. You're free. You can do. You're free then. That's what the new definition of free is, actually. So a way out for societies most concerned about data privacy and the fear of digital surveillance about anything else. The person who carries the mobile that app would have to voluntarily download the app and would have to agree to share data for now that is and the two companies made it clear that their technology would not be provided to public health agencies that do not abide by their privacy guidelines so remember facebook getting in trouble for this? oh yeah they're yeah. lying to you right mm-hmm. this, is, this, is, this is a bold-faced lie but the but voluntary contact tracing apps have a problem they do preserve the privacy of users, but are only effective when the level of particip- participation is sufficiently high, a collective action problem that underlies, once again, the profoundly interconnected nature of modern life beneath the individual's facade of rights, individual's facade of rights, and contractual obligations. No voluntary contract tracing app will, will work if people are unwilling to provide their own personal data to the government, governmental agency that monitors the system. If any individual refuses to download the app, everyone will be adversely affected. So again, another brilliant rationalization for not only a global communist-style regime with totalitarian control, but they also have you on a digital currency system and Mm -hmm. they're spying your every move. Thus, the brilliance of COVID-19 and the virus, right? Never in my life did I imagine in my 56 years that this was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, the start. I mean, uh, and, and I saw this, uh, um, and I'm going to say, look what COVID started. And I want to kind of say, you know, get busy living yeah. or get busy dying yeah. because that's what's happening. Absolutely. You have no say when the good Lord wants to take you. Yeah. It, it, it's a done deal. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Are you going to wilt away? Are you going to hide? Are you going to drink the Kool-Aid? Are you going to do all of this stuff? Or are you going to get busy living? Exactly. Because, folks, that's what's happening right now. Absolutely. And I'm glad these hard times fall upon myself and my generation. And not our kids. And not our kids. Because I have four babies. Mm-hmm. And I will die before they take a shot in the arm. I will die before they're exposed to any of this crap. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it, I feel that's why I'm out here doing this. I'm not doing this for money and fame and notoriety. People who know me know that I'm comfortable in my mom's basement, mm-hmm. you know? So this is me way outside my comfort zone here. But I feel I must. I feel it, it, it has to happen because otherwise we will be living under this. And when this is in place, there's no going back. 
You, I thought I was going to have to tell you to simmer down there for a little bit. You were, you were almost ready to unleash, weren't you, Dr. Oh, yeah, Dan? absolutely. COVID-19, The Great Reset. Now, you said this book is available anywhere. It's on Amazon still. Okay. Yep, yep. so you can still get this information available. Um, like I, it's, I mean, it's still, once this system is in place, this will no longer be available. Right? So People do, will not be reading this. So do you think that these, like, you know, liberal, I don't know if I should classify them as liberal people, but... Do you think there are some people that are like totally on board with this? Uh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially, and it's not liberal, right? We want liberals on our side, actually. Sure. But that, I mean, the, the classic definition of a liberal who wants freedom for everyone. Like, it's just like, he doesn't give a crap what you think and what mm-hmm. you do. You just get to live your own life and yep. he lives his, right? That's a classic liberal in my mind. And we want those guys on our side. But what we're talking about here is leftist. Right. Okay, yeah, that, that, that's the way I should have yeah. defined it. Yeah, so leftists absolutely are on board with this. This is their agenda. These are people who are ignorant of what communism has done in the past and what fascism has done in the past. They're totally, they're told, they're, they're marketed, and the university system is now mostly a marketing system for this garbage, mm-hmm. right? And they're told that it's the most wonderful thing and that you need to be hypersexualized and not, you know, live for any principles without knowing that when communism does take over, the government kills its own people, slaughters them. Oh, slaughters yeah. Them to I the mean, of hundreds they'll of kill millions. their own their own relatives, everything. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yes. And so we, again, that's why this must be, I oppose this with every fiber of my being, and it must be opposed by free-thinking, liberty-loving people, and we need to come together uh, and put a, put aside the nonsense mm-hmm. that they're, yeah. that they're, the propaganda that you get through your television. You know, we need to, we need to stop watching and consuming that stuff because you are what you consume. And if you're consuming, I mean, it's okay to watch, you know, even sports has taken over, right? And it's okay to watch. I, like, we, like I said, we've talked about before probably. It's like we all have our teams we like, right? But it's become a religion in this country, and it's a religion that destroys the American male, and it's the American male in particular that needs to get off his ass, dollar in there, mm-hmm. and start taking some action, right? Because otherwise, we will be lost. We will be lost, right? Hey, it is well, I got to tell you, I got kids too, and I'll die on that hill with you. Yeah, awesome. And, and, and here's what I'm going to say. Dr. Dan said, ass. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, <That's> wow. <laughs> yeah. We got to wrap things up. Dr. Yes. Dan, anything you want to close with? Um, I'll just say the, the one last section. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to get into it because it is actually the section that pisses me off the most. And it is about mental health. And they, they talked about mental health and how 2017 depression's exploding. All these things are exploding. The World Health Organization knew it. The World Health Organization knew that it would be, they expected it to be the leading cause of death by the year 2035 that was depression-related disorders. Yeah. They already, and they did this to us anyway, knowing full well what lockdowns are going to sure. do to our mental oh, health. yeah. Right? So this was contrived. There's no question about it. And they knew the toll it would take financially, economically, and on the health physical and mental health Mm -hmm. of the people of the globe. And we're already beat down. Yes. You know, we're already beat down after the last year and a half. Yes. So, uh, been a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. Um, Are we going to do a couple more of these great reset shows? Uh, yes, we can. I have, uh, I have another book in the queue. It's from the same guys. Uh, it's the same author, Klaus Schwab. It is the fourth industrial revolution. That book came out in 2017. We'll get into the, the picture of the system, a better picture of the system that they're trying to bring in. Um, but I also will have plenty of books about the history. We can go back a ways and look what writers in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties were talking about, about this system coming into place and how this is not new. These ideas are not new and it was planned from a long time ago. Dr. Dan Stanislawski with the Midwest Public Health Coalition, The Great Reset. Thank you so much for coming in again today. Thank you very much. Great and, show. Uh, from now on, I'm just going to put every Tuesday is going to go down on my calendar is Dr. Dan and David uh, Waterman, hopefully going to be back again next week. 
Again, enjoyed it. Awesome. Uh, this was a great show today. Uh, again, thanks, Dr. Dan Stanislawski, and thank you to Executive Properties. You know, if you've been putting off that remodel or maybe something new around your house long enough, tell you what, let Executive Properties get it done for you. Executive Properties, they do all types of commercial and residential work. Kitchen, bathrooms, doors, siding, concrete, cabinets, trim and tile. I think you get the picture. Executive Property is going to take the time to listen to what you want done. They're going to do it right. They've got over 30 years of experience. Barry Romo leading that great crew of guys to take care of you. They offer senior and referral discounts. They're willing to work with any budget, too. For all your general contractor needs, call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273, or go to their website, executiveproperties.org, and check out their reviews on Facebook and Google. You're going to love their work. Executive Properties, your one-stop company that can do it all. And by the way, folks, leave us a Google review. And what we're going to do is at the end of August, we're going to pick the best review. And they're going to win a Vive Pro virtual reality machine, courtesy of Sundog Mining, valued at about $1,200. I tried it the other day, and I thought I was going to get sick. It's so real. Sundog Mining, it's a cryptocurrency hosting management and consulting company. And they're looking to hire some people. If you're interested, check out Sundog Mining LLC on Facebook. For more information, starting wage right about 15 bucks an hour. So again, folks, get busy living or get busy dying, all right? Tomorrow, Marty Stensland joins us to talk about a two-month tour he helped out with. Don't believe everything you hear. We're going to be talking a little bit of politics tomorrow. Find out more. Remember to like, share, tag, and follow us. Hit that notification bell on your smartphone, too. You know, Grand Forks is a great place. Grand Forks' best source is giving it an identity again. 